in 2005 or six when we started and we would get one or two orders a day and be ecstatic and we would just go, how cool would it be if one year we did a million dollars in sales? And so 2016, we reached a million dollars in sales in like mid-December and we were obviously over the moon about it. In 2017, when Fiona was born, we reached a million dollars in sales in July. Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. I want to welcome, do I say founders, owners? What titles do you guys use? Are you like Both? cool so you don't use titles? We we're, don't really. We're the owners, yeah. but we're also the founders. We're, we're partners. the partners. Yeah. Members. Members. Uh, we're, LLC. we're both CEOs and COOs and CMOs. And janitors and secretaries. And yeah. Like, Garbage Well, we're not accountants anymore. We upgraded yeah. that position. We do, out, we do outsource the accounting That's and the good. payroll. We should maybe tell them of what? Cincy, Cincy shirts. shirts. Yes. yes. Cincy shirts is uh is one of our brands. It's probably the only one that'll matter to the listeners of this podcast, but uh we do have we do have four different uh brands that we run under our our umbrella, which is known as Gravy Keg. Wait a minute, just hold on. Can I guess on what the other three brands are? Sure. Go for it. Look at me shirts. Used to be. Damn it. Home That's shirts. The OG. Used to be. Yeah. Both of those still exist and a white but are rebranded. Opoly. White Opoly. <laughs> hey, that's where we can start this thing. Yeah. You want to you talk about failing. I mean, that was a. I don't know. Maybe you should tell, maybe we should tell the listeners first what are the brands okay. and then we'll go into that. There we go. So, Look at Me Shirts was our initial t shirt company. It was all funny and pop culture references. We did have some local designs. Was it the first business it was the that first, you guys did together? The first yeah. business we did together. Our mindset was we have the whole world to market to. Why would we just want to concentrate on Cincinnati? You know what I mean? So yeah. we're funny guys. We're, the whole world's going to buy our T-shirts. So that's what we thought. Okay, we're just going to make pop culture appeals to everyone, um, which I mean, I guess it appealed to what frat boys and yeah. 20-somethings at yeah. the time, which is what we were. We were just creating stuff that we thought was funny. Okay. Yeah. And you know what? Hold the... on. You guys are the podcast experts of more than two people. Do you think I need to tell your you need to say your names so that people know who's who? So Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm I'm Darren Overholser, everybody. All right. And Darren, tell <laughs> tell us a little bit about you. Yeah, I uh I grew up in a small town called uh, Newcomerstown, Ohio, which is uh south of Cleveland about 100 miles, east of Columbus about 100 miles, home of Cy Young and Woody Hayes. Uh, there's really nothing there. So I, I came to Cincinnati, uh, went to Art Academy, uh, graduated from Art Academy in 97, uh, or no, graduated from high school in 97, graduated from Art Academy in 2001. Um, from there, you know, with my illustrious art degree, I went straight to the boathouse and started bussing tables for the next <laughs> two years where I was promoted to uh, server and slung ribs with uh, Dean Gregory and the awesome people down there for uh, another couple years. Um, it, my life was basically wake up, drink a pot of coffee, paint all day. I was trying to get into, you know, freelance illustration and whatnot and just anything creative. Uh, and then, you know, get, put my server outfit on and go 
uh, wait tables, you know, from four to nine o'clock or whatever. Um, and it was there. I actually met, uh, I met Josh. I was waiting, waiting tables one day on a Friday at lunch. Um, everybody knows Josh, the, the comedian, um, I've heard of him and I knew who he was. I knew he's in my section with some other dude who I assumed was a comedian. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we just got to talking and, um, at the time I was also dabbling in, uh, in stand up, just kind of on the, the local scene, you know, I was thought I was funny or whatnot and doing open mics. <laughs> and Josh, you just and funny. That. By that point it was, I was opening here and there and I, you know, I, I was in the comedy scene enough to, you know, know who Josh was and not be afraid to talk to him, I guess, even though I was waiting on him and it's my job to talk <laughs> so to him. So is your role because you are the artist? Has your role been more of the like creative and graphic design piece yeah. of Cincy shirts? Okay. Yeah, that was the, like the, the first thing. Josh was like, "Hey, you're good at art." Um, well, which actually was kind of the, our conversation starter was uh, I, I don't know if I introduce myself as more of an artist than uh, designer, but yeah. but anyway, so he he knew I was. You know, he said, had he a, said I did some paintings. And, and he's like, you can if you want to check out my stuff, it's on my website. And he gave me a card to his website where he had images of actual paintings he's done, and they were all <clears throat> mashups of like different either artists and some type of pop culture reference, you know, uh, some some inappropriate, all edgy, all super funny. Yeah, like Lady and the Tramp uh, instead of. You know, sharing one piece of spaghetti, they were doing a line of blow that was like <laughs> yeah. real long. Or... But it looked, it was painted perfect, like a Disney painting. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I yeah. took it seriously for and, sure. You know, it was uh, the he had one that was like a Charles Kincaid painting, but yeah. the house and the forest were on fire, and it was called the Death of Kincaid, and just real dark stuff, but so funny. You know, like the scene from Pulp Fiction where. Um, John Travolta and Samuel Jackson have their guns out, and he replaced their guns with the old Nintendo light phasers, oh like they God. were playing video like games. Duck just, hunt, like just yeah, yeah. stuff like that. And it was so funny and original. And I was just like, man, I love this stuff. And I said, what What are you like? What are your What do you want to do? You know? And he was painting, and he was serving, and he started telling me about this white tailopoly. Yeah. Okay. Oh wait. That's how you guys really connected. Was that? Yeah, yeah over well, over lunch, he came up right. to me at lunch that day and gave me his card. I checked out his site and I reached out to him and I was like, "This is great." So, Darren, you were like, "I know this guy, Josh Sneed, over there is a comedian." Like you heard that, and so you went over and you just started yeah. talking. And he was in your section. Well, he's you in my section. Yeah, him. so I'm just yeah you know, shooting small the talking. shit with him, right? And so that's when you brought up this white tail. Yeah, well, hopefully. yeah, kind of. Yeah, right? that's when that's when we kind of. Made the introduction and he kind of, I guess, started doing his research on random links on my uh, business card. But um, so yeah, Whitetailopoly was basically like I said, I was from a small town in in nowhere, Ohio, where deer hunting is huge. Yeah, I never shot a gun in my life, but I knew that uh, deer hunting, you know, had a big following and whatnot. Um, and through going to Art Academy, one of my professors, uh, Mark Thomas, did some freelance work for a company here in Cincinnati called Late for the Sky Productions. Not many people know about them or whatnot, but they make all of the Opoly games. Okay. NASCAR Opoly, Dog Opoly, Cat Opoly. Chocolate Opoly. All those random games you see in gift shops. That yeah. If they end in Opoly and That's it's them. not Monopoly, 
it's them. Yeah. So I uh, I went to them and I said, hey, let's make Deeropoly. Come on, Whitetailopoly. And they're like, well, no, that's not you know that's not along with our brand, or we're not going to do that. Who are you, basically? Yeah. But they're like, well, we do have a custom. Uh, piece of our business if you come up with the cash we'll print it and it'll be yours and you can go pedal it on the streets nice. so uh we so we basically had to raise 30 grand to do the first run um because there's three thousand and you they're about 10 bucks a board so our idea was to go out and sell these spaces you know like boardwalk yes. to sell sponsorships so i was calling all these ranches deer hunting ranches all over the country and we had we actually had about five spaces sold uh, and you know, we're actually a couple grand for these things and I was nobody and I was like, man, there's no way I'm going to be able to fill the whole board or just getting, getting 30 grand was like ridiculous for someone straight out of college didn't yeah. know anything. I still don't think I could really do that. <laughs> but anyway, so, but in the meantime, we, we were like, okay, the, the sponsorship thing's not going to work. So that's fail number one, right? Yeah. That's, so, Good. I so love we, that you're bringing it back. Here. Yeah. But, but we kept going and, uh, wait, at this point, is it both of you guys? No, no this is just me just and, me and a buddy, buddy yeah. from okay. high school okay. who, uh, would rather be in a deer stand than help me out. So that's kind of where oh, that okay. ended up. But anyway, um, <laughs> So long long story short, we ended up uh, uh, just making a tight prototype. We got all the we had real ranches, but we didn't have them pay money because everybody wanted boardwalk. No one wanted Baltic oh, Avenue, right. whatever. <laughs> Instead of railroads, we had taxidermists. We had like it, it was it was super cool, and it was actually fun to play. And he did all the art for it. He, yeah, you know, the, designed the, the, the box. Box, and we had and... the little uh, little you know the cabins and lodges instead of houses and hotels. It actually made more sense than Monopoly. Yeah. But anyway, so we so we had a prototype, and I was able to send that to uh, Gander Mountain, uh, Bass Pro Shop, and Cabela's, who are you know the biggest names at the time. Um, and they said, "Hey, you know, if you make this game, we'll have purchase orders for you." Um, so at that point, it wasn't hard to you know convince some people to to shell out some cash, and so that's when Whitetailopoly came out, and it uh, we I don't know I guess it sold it uh, for about five years. Um, we also made a wild turkey opoly, uh, which it didn't do as well. But it got to the point where it got me out of the restaurant, so yeah. I could be creative twenty four seven, and also uh, get started doing the t shirt thing. Well, so that was back up. There's a, there's something in between there that's the bridge to the t shirt. So ah yeah, <clears throat> at that time. I was touring with the various members of the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. So okay. Larry the Cable Guy, Ron White, Bill Ingvall. So you leave PNG. I leave PNG. And you go into being a full-time comedian. That's right. And at this point, I'd probably been full-time for about four years. Okay. I had moved to L.A. and back and uh, was just trying to figure out a way to take up the hours of my day, you know, because I was on the road all day, all the time, and I had all day to kill. So I was trying to find something that could keep me busy during the day while I sat around waiting for the shows at night. So I was opening for these comics who were selling out, you know, theaters everywhere. And I was noticing that after the shows, people were buying anything they had to sell. I mean, it wasn't just t shirts and CDs, it was like, coffee mugs and frisbees i mean just like the dumbest things and i said you know it was such a beloved the blue collar comedy tour was such a beloved um property at the time that i told darren i said we should come up with 
blue-collar-opoly. You know, we could come up with a Monopoly game for these guys. They could all sell it. Their their careers are white hot right now. And so uh, I took it to my manager, who was one of the producers of the Blue Collar Comedy Tour. And he was like, you know, work on it if you want. So we put a whole prototype together for Blue Collar Opoly. Um, you know, we had all the different comedians' jokes on the cards and Cute. all the different spaces, you know, related to them in some fashion. And might be a redneck. Yeah. If right. Or yeah. That or, yeah. And, uh, and we were super proud of it. We had a we had a prototype of the um, this big printout of the game board. I sent everything to my manager, who passed it on to the lawyers. And in that small window of us creating the concept, those guys became so popular that they didn't have to tour as a foursome anymore. They were all off on their own selling out theaters. So they weren't really coming up with new products that group them all together still got it so um it ended up being a lost cause but we had so much fun creating it together that we were like we got to figure out something else to do yeah, let's keep this train rolling yeah and so were you here in cincinnati and josh you were out on the road i yeah i mean i lived here but i was gone a lot okay yeah i mean we just keep touch on aol instant messenger yeah and we play golf like... whenever i was in town and uh we were on a golf course okay what year is this this is uh oh four oh five somewhere okay. in there okay and so uh, we're out on the golf course, and there were several funny T-shirt sites that were, you know, starting to blow up. Like everybody was talking about, like busted tees and um, snore. Threadless, and, yeah. And so the funny T-shirt pop culture reference thing was was something that we thought, you know, we could do this. Like we can both come up with the ideas because um, we're both creative, you know, for the concept. He can visualize right. it, you know. Um, create the actual art for it. And then I'm out on the road every week in different comedy clubs in different cities. And with that comes being on different radio stations and TV stations. So I can go tell you people around it. the country. Yeah. And that's what I would Free do. Free advertising. Yeah. I would wear one of our funny shirts to the radio station and they'd be like, ah, I love that shirt. And I'd be like, oh, we I make this. And okay. now we get a plug yeah. on the radio. So then did you sell them all online? Yeah, yeah. You we made them, online. and you okay. We paid 150 bucks for our first website. <laughs> we had that. about 12 different designs, which most were inappropriate, or by today's standards, would probably <laughs> not get us anywhere. But uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was. And, and so when did it start clicking? Well, when did you start making money? Well, well the problem we're was not is, there yet. Yeah, we weren't. <laughs> Are you we weren't equipped. To, Are we out of time? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we weren't equipped to make the shirts, so we had to find someone in Cincinnati who would print shirts for us in a small enough quantity because we just didn't have the money to, right. you for know, the runs. Yeah, to have to have inventory, and so you know, if somebody ordered one, we had to print twelve or fifteen. Yeah, and so and our you know, ideas or designs weren't that good. Yeah, you know, to where we had the confidence to print that many. Yeah, you know. so Darren kept the inventory on his uh, in his apartment on his in his living room, and uh, he printed out the orders. You know, the two or three orders <laughs> a day. Yeah, and uh, and would fulfill them, and we'd make little funny videos to put on YouTube about our company, and then <clears throat> we thought, you know what, we should we should buy screen printing equipment and 
make shirts for ourselves. Then we can control inventory. Yeah. And we can do smaller runs if we wanted to, which Take is on probably jobs and which is our probably our first big fail. Yeah, right as Why? a company, because you know we it was just me and him. So uh, very quickly after, so we found a space in Dayton, Kentucky. It was an old warehouse that a friend of mine was one of the owners. There hadn't been a business there in 20 some years. It was one of the first Kroger's. Then it was a carpet business. I don't know. It was nasty. And we gutted it ourselves. They put a dumpster on the side of the building. We gutted it and then paid for like a new floor to be put down and new windows to be put in. And all we wanted was a little space to make our own shirts Mm -hmm. and then a tiny area in the front where we could have like a a little store. Like retail? Yeah. Um, but but we weren't. Did you buy the building or you rented it? Oh no, we were just actually. Rented. I don't even know if we got, got charged rent for the first year because the owner said that we would actually save him money on his insurance just by being there because he no if longer it's not owned an empty a building. vacant right. building. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. So, but what happened was <laughs> yeah. instead of continuing to grow our brand, we were filling up our schedule with custom jobs for like softball teams and things like that. Comedians. And, and yeah, and so. We quickly became a screen print shop instead of a, a brand yep. that we yeah. wanted to be. So we thought we were a decorator, craftsmanship, craftsman, whatever. Yeah. But, so once we realized we're a sales company and we're not a production company, right? That's when that's when it that's clicked. when you shifted your model. But, but and that that's wasn't when until it, when was that later? <laughs> well, we went through a few. We went through a, several fails after that. I mean, to be honest about it, because um, people, I will tell you, people would look at you now and be like, "They have the most popular T-shirt business in the city." Like everybody <laughs> knows. Like, do you know? I mean, you guys have a really good brand. That's. I mean, I love to hear that, but it's, you know, what was this? Two thousand eighteen. You know, yeah. it took uh, it. That's only in the last couple of years. So Yeah, but you guys had your first retail in fourteen. That's three. You now have three. Yeah. yeah. In oh, that's when four stuff years. really started to yeah. to move upwards when we well, opened the store. So we, still, we we left we we're left on our, our wrong number yeah. three here. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get the We're we'll in Dayton, Kentucky. We're yes. like frustrated at our sort of, you know, We've kind of become stagnant as a brand. You know, we were starting to get some more sales, but we weren't doing the kind of work we we wanted to do when we when we started the company. Yeah, we were just, not you profitable. just didn't have the energy it was, around it. And well, stuff we like just that, our, like... all of our time and our bills were paid by making shirts for other people instead of ideas that we came up with on our own. So there was a company here locally called Donkey Tees okay. that um, kind of was doing what we were doing with Look at Me shirts. Um, they were killing it on eBay, but they weren't doing great on their website. We were doing great on our website, but we couldn't figure out eBay. And we had a mutual friend who was like, you guys should just merge and, um, you know, they'll, they'll help you with what you need help with. You can help them. Well, they had three owners and we were two owners. So, um, while our company was doing well with, too many cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, five partners, equal share. Yeah. Only two of us actually wanted to work, like, you know, hold steady hours. Um, it was uh, <laughs> it was a nightmare. You know, two of them were brothers, so they're always going to oh, agree. Goodness. And it was just and, – and just creatively, we were just like, man – you know, this isn't. We had some big splashes. I mean, when yeah, when Michael Jackson died, we probably 
I don't know if we did like seventy five grand that week just on we had some like Michael Jackson tees on eBay. Uh, and I, honestly, that was kind of those were our biggest pa- pants on the ground. On uh, <laughs> we did, yeah. Uh, there was this time American Idol after that was, was yeah. going on. That's when we kind of hit like the the pop culture. When the news breaks, we t shirt it do type it stuff. You were agile enough; you could do it. Respond yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. So, how long were you guys business partners with them? That's probably two, one, years. two years. And then were you then some one we, of we you? We just weren't happy. We weren't happy. We were button heads all the time because yeah, what was no happening one was, making was money. Darren and I were on one side. The two brothers were on another side, and their third partner had a great job, and he and he just wasn't. He Present. was just like whatever you guys want to do. So it was always like two on two, and there was nothing ever got decided. Yeah, and there were just we just weren't happy, and so we decided to. Um, we were going to get a buyout and um, in the quote unquote divorce, we forfeited all of our designs that we had brought to the company. Okay. And the only thing we were walking away with uh, was the name Look At Me shirts. And so our decision was to go rebrand Look At Me shirts and just start from scratch with new designs. So we found a guy in Mason who um, owned a very large company in a tiny part of that company, they had a uh, the capability of printing on demand. Okay. So um, that enticed us because we could start coming up with a ton of different ideas and not have to worry about ha- having inventory because we could literally print them as they were ordered. Yeah. So his company, his his he bought into the company by bringing his fulfillment, you know capabilities that's nice and business knowledge I and mean, he yeah. was he was so he's our third partner um he's also running you know this huge uh promo products company as well so he was kind of our the first business brain that we had mentor, a mentor you know, in we're the just creative world. dudes yeah. just doing whatever we want to do today yeah. yeah and so he was it was great because you know he he, he was the one that told us no uh, you know, you guys aren't ready for this. Let's do this or whatever, you know. And he kind of steer us in the right direction, which was, which was great at first. Yeah. Um, and the thing was is like when we had look at me shirts in Dayton, Kentucky, we would do a couple local designs. And the first design that we ever got like press for yeah. was just a black shirt with white letters that said "Even God Hates the Steelers." That's all it said. <laughs> And we got in the paper for it, and people started coming to our store. That is hilarious. But we uh, always, you know, like I'm from here, like I'm born and raised here, and I always thought, and it's such a weird, it's such a random brand, but it was the one that drove this whole idea for me personally. Uh, are you from here? Yes. So, do you remember Mama's Cookies? Yes. So they were on the Uncle Al show, and like yeah. I just have such a fond memory of that little package in Kroger. All the different flavors had their own color. Yeah. And I thought, man, it would be so fun to do like a Mama's Cookies like shirt or um, or like uh, caddies or you know just I started thinking about oh places God, from when I was a kid yeah. or in college that are long gone and you could never find a shirt for. But the problem was 
the thing that always held us back from making those designs was the logos had so many colors in them. And so to screen print them was a fortune. When we were screen printing stuff, we had to pick designs that were just one color to, to be able to afford to make them. But with this new technology of printing on demand, they could do full color. So that was kind of how we first decided to give Cincy shirts a try. Okay. Because we just didn't feel like a Cincinnati section on look at me shirts made sense. Right. We needed to have a site that we could market to Cincinnati people. And so we decided to go kind of all in with our time on creating this new brand and focused on nothing but trademarks that had expired. So Thank you. I was wondering yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. That was yes. the big thing. How did you guys even know that? Did you know that from your like artist background? Like how would you know yeah. the the infringement? I got uh I mean I had Whitetailopoly trademarked and went through uh legal zoom. You know, that's when that was I was like, Oh, just go to legal zoom and man, there's my LLC and there's my trademark. I never talked to a lawyer until two thousand ten probably. But um so yeah, so I, I knew of USPTO.gov okay. um, where you can search the trademarks and uh, and you know I mean are there so any that, that have retired that companies have said we want you to do them? Um, well, what happened or was not retired. Ex- not retired. Excuse me. Yeah, kind of. That's how we really kind of got to where we are today because we started out with just vintage stuff. It was all right, vintage right. stuff. And we were online only. We launched the site in 2010, and um, we would promote it locally where we could, mostly on Facebook. Yeah. But we started to show up at different big events. Like I think Brouhaha was probably the first one we did. And then we did Bunbury. And we just sort of picked a handful of designs that we knew were popular um, and took those with us. And from the first time we did that, people were like, where's your store? Seriously. Yeah. I mean, we, that's the first time we actually met customers. Yeah. And it was kind of a shock, too, because, like, we we're like, you know, we're young dudes and we're, uh, you know, we're making shirts for our friends. Well, no, there's all these older people coming up to us because right. they remembered the old stuff. And I was like, man, our audience is nowhere near what I thought it was. Yeah. But um, so that was that was wild. But at the same time, I was like, man, these people are excited. Like, Do you want to like, know what's funny, something. too, is that, like, my niece, who's 16... At Christmas time, she was like, I want a Cincy shirt. Like, I want to go in. So it ranges. I mean, I know it does it's now, older, for but, sure, but yeah. now it does. Like, yeah. it's cool. Yeah, we're trying to keep up with the the, the, the trends. and the... Yeah. And we were, you know, we what we noticed right away was this Look At Me Shirts brand that we had built back up with new designs. It was doing okay. We kind of, we were starting to get back to where we were sales-wise before the merger but it's just with, worn out. Within and... two months, Cincy shirts had passed. Really? Look at me shirts in total sales. And what I noticed was almost every order that came in had more than one design in it. And I would ask people about it. And if I showed them look at me shirts and I showed them, you know, 200 different pop culture references that they all knew from movies and TV shows that they all knew, they'd be like, oh, these are great. And I like this one. And if I showed Cincy shirts to someone my age who was from Cincinnati, they're like, I want all of these. Yeah. Yeah. And so immediately I was like, we we need to focus on this. And Darren was like, you're right. This is where we should be focusing our attention. And it was a shift that we did not see coming of, 
you know, because it's since it's since he shirts was like going to be like our fun, like we're local guys and this is, you know, something we want to do for the city. And immediately it was like, no, this is where we need to put our attention. Did you guys ever think that about closing and giving up? <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think so. I don't know. I mean, I'm looking back. I don't know why. Because right when we left Donkey Tees, I had uh, my son. That was 2010. Uh, and I was like, yeah, looking back, I was like, man. I mean, my wife had a pretty good job. Uh, she was always the breadwinner up until last year. <laughs> like, I, like uh, that's always that's always my joke because you know, people are like, oh, how are you guys doing? I was like, hey, my wife didn't complain this this year. So <laughs> I think I made it. I got success to yeah, me. Was, you know? right. what I think, She's no longer your sugar mama. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The reason I think that it – we never got to that point was because from the from the day one you know um i've had stand up comedy as like my main source of income and he was giving 120% of yeah. his time into this company so you know we made the decision very early on that we would each get paid for what we do for the company and then anything that's left will split 50-50. And what that did was it made sure that if no matter how many hours I could or couldn't put into with my stand-up, it, as long as he was taken care of first and, and able to pay his bills and make it worth it for it to be his full-time job, yep. then I was cool with just taking half of whatever was left that's after fair, that. That's fair because you were putting in more yeah. of the hours. And, yeah. and it's still that way today. With the full-time job, baby. And and I think that's why it, it, it always <laughs> worked, you know, because he – I hope, and I don't think he has, but I don't think he's ever felt like it was an unfair deal that we were both – Should we talk about this? No. It'd be a little well, counseling for you guys. No, well, and that's – and I've, I've heard that before. Well, Josh is always on the road. Josh isn't there. I don't see him at the warehouse. But all he has to do is make a couple phone calls. He knows – the right people has the you know he has the big uh, the big mind you know to know what is is worth chasing and knows what the next steps are. So I'm I'm not the guy that's going to pound the phones and uh, and do the sales. You know I mean this guy he's the he's the networker. He's the rainmaker. You know? Yeah, and I was like so that's 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 how it works. Is uh, he's not afraid to go out there and you know make it happen. And a lot of times that doesn't require the hours. But at the end of the day, I don't really care because, you know, it, it's working out. So, Darren, yeah. are you overseeing all three locations then, like the ops for those? Yeah. Uh, if I really want to be productive, I'm at home on my kitchen table. Um, you know, but, I mean, we have – the stores are in pretty good shape. We have, you know, good managers at each location uh, as well as now we have a, a warehouse in, uh, in Clifton at uh, Essex Studios. Mm. Um, so that's where all of our online fulfillment and stuff like that uh, takes place. So uh, you know what you know what I love? And it was probably whenever you guys just had opened the Hyde Park store, um, was you asked, it was the first time that any store had ever asked for my cell phone and there were texts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, and it was like, hey, 20% off, whatever. It was something around the holiday time that was texted to me. Yeah. I, were, I mean, you asked me if I would give my right. phone number, and I said, yeah. 
it was one of the first companies that had done that, that had communicated with me. And I remember thinking, God, these guys are like so progressive. <laughs> you weren't well, I just thought about myself. No, you know? because I, I, I didn't want to do that because I, I was opted like, man, in. I wouldn't want texts. I opted in. You asked. But, I mean, you asked yeah. and I did. I mean, I don't do that to everybody for everybody, but I was like, yeah, I kind of like, you know. But if I think about how many emails I get from websites I've visited or stores I go to, now they all get clumped together in one section on Gmail, and I may never open that section. So right. even to get them on an email list, the chances of them seeing it or doing mm-hmm. anything with it are so slim. And so that's what I love about it is, you know, if it's on your phone, like if it sends you a notification on your phone, you're going to look at it. You might opt out at yeah. some point, but I know you're going to see it and at least think about it, and yeah. it will be front of mind, you know, and... We've experimented with all different types of, you know, customer rewards or, you know, we're that's the whole thing is like this is such a a crazy, you know, um, climb that we've been on because from 2005 until 2010, I mean, it was kind of just me and Darren, like, yeah. you know, other than some partners and it was always just us. <clears throat> and then when we opened in the OTR in 2014 on a yeah. three month lease. On a th- yeah. So that's awesome because I owned a salon in Kenwood and we had a five-year lease. And I wish – my like when people ask me what were my biggest learning lessons, I'm like, do not get tied to a lease. Yeah. Yeah. So that was really smart. We got lucky because it was a friend of mine who worked for um, um, Urban Sites, Sites. Yeah. which is kind of like a 3CDC mm-hmm. downtown. And we had actually approached 3CDC about doing a shop on Vine when Vine was just really getting going. And uh, and they, it's not, we were kind of told there wasn't a space, but we, we sort of pieced together that an, another T-shirt company had opened on Vine and was kind of making sure we didn't open there too. So we found a spot on Main that had been a retail store. It didn't need any... Um, work done on a build out right. and so they gave us a three-month lease we just wanted to see how it went we were like the only ones there was a street pops next to us but nobody was buying popsicles in november right. and uh and so they gave us a three-month lease we went on craigslist and and this is where i think our company really turned the corner is our our business partner that we talked about um, who has always been good at telling us no. Yeah, no, you're saying, not ready. We're not ready yet. No retail. And he was adamant about, I don't want to be a part of any retail. Brick and mortar is the past. The online is the future. Make money while you sleep, fellas. You don't want to be down there yeah. working a store. And, you know, and it's funny because I mean, for most places that's the case. But right. we were the ones at the booth at Taste of Cincinnati and Brouhaha and Bunbury and meeting the people who were always asking about where's your store. And, you know, at Christmas time we had to tell people, you know, it's online. So if it's not by December 6th, we can't promise it'll be there by Christmas. So we had like wow, we had 20 yeah, days of, of selling that we missed out on every year because we couldn't guarantee it'd be there by Christmas. And, we and thought, if they wanted to pick up their shirt. They had to go up to a warehouse in Mason and probably yeah. some joker on a forklift didn't even care about who they were or anything, yeah. you know, find their shirt in a box on some rusty shelf. Yeah. So we thought if we were only open for Christmas, the the holiday season, oh, it would be worth three it. months. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was November, December, and January. We went on Craigslist. We found some stores that were going out of business or getting rid of old fixtures. We brought yeah. those in. We printed. 
handful of our most popular designs and we were just like let's see how it goes and yeah i think it took us 10 grand is what our budget was to open that store and we did 30 and we're like yeah oh my gosh 30. which now I, a joke i was like if we did 30 grand at one of our stores in december we would uh worry about closing <laughs> yeah yeah so we uh we thought you know that was 2014 so then 2015 we thought let's just see what it's like to be down here for a year because we could kind of start to see that a little bit of what had happened on vine was starting to happen on maine some other new businesses were opening a little further south than us but we thought you know for the right price we could stay here and see how it goes for a year so they gave us a year lease and um and then FC Cincinnati was announced, mm-hmm. so we went to them and we said, "You know, well, we bought se- we bought season we tickets bought season for tickets because they first. wouldn't take our call." <laughs> I love that you we, bought season. tickets We couldn't first. get a call back, so we bought season tickets and then like called February, back again. Their first game wasn't until March. Yeah, but and so they gave smart. us a meeting, and we just said we don't want to. They thought we wanted to do screen printing for them. And we're like, no, we'd like to just make some gear for the fans besides the jerseys and scarves that you're selling. Just some just some T-shirts. Yeah. We want to do what we do with your logos. Yeah. And basically. they were like, okay. Like, they just – I remember the meeting. They were just do like, have... okay. Okay. <laughs> so they didn't have any idea about licensing. They were, they were hoping that they would get 3,000 fans a game. And they said, maybe, you know, we might have 8,000 for our opener and all this stuff. And, like, they, they didn't even know. Is, is that your biggest seller, FC? I don't think oh, so. Well, then that little hippo was born. <gasps> so, yeah. So FC's success the first year, they weren't even equipped to handle the success like they they couldn't merchandise wise yeah merchandise wise so they they were tweeting to their fans go to cincy shirts yeah our our pro shops out yeah go get our cincy shirts you're kidding me no and they and then give them any proceeds yeah we paid them a licensing licensing deal and so and then you know other stores caught on that wanted to carry their product and they weren't set up to fulfill other stores you know with enough um pieces of product so they they started sending wholesale accounts our way oh my like get it from cincy shirts and so the success of fc was what led us to say we we should open a second store because to backtrack just a little bit when we separated from our business partner and bought him out because yes. he refused to be to part of the retail, mm-hmm. we did decide to have them continue doing our online fulfillment. So we managed, you know, he wasn't a partner. We just outsourced that work sure. to them. Um, but candidly, when he was out of the picture, we we never felt like that company gave us the same priority that they did when he was our partner. Got it. So we were kind of looking for a way to take things back over ourselves on for the print on demand side. So that's why we opened Hyde Park. We found a spot that we could print on on demand and ship from and then the other half would be our retail. And so that's how Hyde Park came into play. And then Fiona was born. And that changed everything. So, what did, yeah. so you guys, so she's getting, she's like, we know she's going to be born. Well, and actually, she's born. well, we can backtrack before FC Cincinnati because we were looking for different companies to partner up with. And we were like, man, the zoo has so many cool old, old logos, old, uh, you know, the history. The opera was there, the uh, just retro uh, signage from the 60s and stuff. We're like, so we, we got a licensing deal in place with them to do just 
T-shirts, just Cincinnati Zoo shirts that, you know, they don't sell there. Just, again, just kind of what we do with your logos. Right. Um, and so so we had a licensing agreement with them for almost two years before Fiona was born. Okay. And it was kind of like, we never really, do, you know, obviously we're not going to do anything with Harambe, uh, you right. know, and, you know, there's... Uh, right. The, but... Our, this stuff sold okay, and it was like, yeah, people enjoyed it, but it wasn't nothing. But then the crazy. little Fifi, Fiona yeah, and we're came. just like, hey, you know, this is this so, is our shot, yeah. right? And so she was born, and we as, as soon as she was born and became like the started to become something everybody was talking about with the videos they were posting. Right. We reached out immediately, and we we're like, hey, can we help? Can we do a shirt and donate some of the proceeds to her care? And they and they were like, you know, we don't know if she's gonna make it, so. Um, let's wait and see how she does. So it wasn't until she was like six weeks old or so, and the zoo had already done their GoFundMe, you know, T-shirt. They were like, okay, it looks like she's going to actually make it because that had never happened for a hippo that premature. They had never saved one. And so they were like, she's actually going to make it. And they're like, so if you guys want to do a shirt now, and they had already done theirs. Do do your little shirt is basically how it, came yeah. across if you guys want to do your little thing just your <laughs> and is that your top seller yeah we in one year we did uh 1.5 million in fiona merchandise no and... way so when it's funny that he says that because in 2005 or 6 when we started and we would get one or two orders a day and be ecstatic and we would just go how cool would it be if one year we did a million dollars in sales and so 2016, we reached a million dollars in sales in like mid-December. And we were obviously over the moon about it. In 2017, when Fiona was born, we reached a million dollars in sales in July. Oh, my God. Well, actually, November 1st of last year, uh, that single day, we we doubled our sales our first year in business. If that <laughs> makes you, it was. We did uh, a hippop. I won a hippopotamus for Christmas uh, sweatshirt and put it out. And that next day, it kind of went viral. And that day, we we did more. We did double what we did our first year. In that's one amazing. Day. Well, you guys have such an incredible story. I love it. And I love your business too. Thank you. And I love the customer service that you guys have there as well. It's hey, awesome. We'll send John your love. It's it's I'm I'm serious. <laughs> no, it's, it's really fantastic. You. And well, I mean, we're waiting on our neighbors, you know. And you know, like I said, it goes back to the boathouse. I got those customer service skills. And <laughs> how may I help you? You want this or that? I don't and, know. And that's what kinda, we've tried to do since the we're beginning. Good guys. <laughs> is be a part of social media, but not use social media to just sell. To, to be part of people's conversations about the city and historic dates and things that are happening in the city and things that we're passionate about, whether it's Fiona or, you know, Lauren Still or Lauren yeah. Hill or Cincy Strong with the shooting. You know, we just we just want to be a part of whatever this city's talking about, good or bad. And hopefully at the end of the day, we've done a little bit of good for for the city and for us at the same time. Well, thank you guys both for being here. Also, we're going to put a link to your podcast. Yeah, That'd be great. Yeah, it's all the rage. Yeah, <laughs> we do one it's a week. We've had we do. They're all Cincy focused. So you know, we've had Thane Maynard and Johnny Bench, and 
you know, if you if you're from here or live here long enough or have anything to do with the city, every week we put out a show with somebody that has a great stories about Cincinnati, and it's it's been really fun. But right, it's, look it up. It's fun to be on the other side today. So thanks for it's having the us. The Cincy Shirts Podcast on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get your your, your local podcast. That's right. Well, thanks you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, Anna Bulky, our producer, and the incredible team at Gwyn Sound. If you liked this episode, please, please go to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and write a review. 